friends. It's true, you know. Personal, local, global wellness. You may now begin the course. The emotional response to love. It's awfully important. Is usually the result of a decommy family. A show of affection. Redefining what health means for you. And the real fundamental you. 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 Well, if you'd like a place where there's never a dull moment, choose the right flavor of wellness for you. Syndacy Wellness. Hosts the personal, local, global wellness show. Welcome, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Just making sure our tech is working properly today, and I think it is. You are watching Community Health, the personal, local, global wellness show hosted by Syndacy Wellness. Today, we have Daniel Eisenman joining us to discuss Tribe Vitamins, a new supplement company he's launching, Tribe Design, his book, Breaking Normal, and his motivation for bringing his newest products to us, Tribe Vitamins. A little intro on me, I'm June Syndacy, a healthcare provider at Syndacy Wellness, helping men and women move from emotional overwhelm, fatigue, and anxiety to a state of peace, calm, and comfort teaching stress management skills using nutrition analysis paired with my counseling practice. I personally used to try and heal the world before I started to heal myself. That's why I call this the personal, local, global wellness show. On Apple, Spotify, and seven other platforms, you'll see at the top, it'll say community health with women sitting in a circle. That is us. Without further ado, I'd love for Daniel to show his gorgeous face, and I'd love to read his brilliant intro. Daniel Eisenman graduated pre-med from Emory University with a BS, key acronym, in biology, and even took the MCAT about 10 years ago before applying to medical school to stay on the path of normal, as people advised him. He decided to take a year off, that year off, now turned into a decade of breaking normal adventures throughout all 50 states and at least 20 countries. He travels the world as a keynote speaker and facilitator of breaking normal experiences. Radical retreats and workshops, though he likes to call them play shops, as what's more than play, um, based on what's more pure than play, based on principles of raw honesty emo and emotional freedom. He found that the common theme through his journey and experiences was so many people seem to be trapped in self-imposed prisons, keeping a lid on their genius, joy, and growth. Thus, Breaking Normal was birthed as a way for people to free themselves from this self imposed prison. I'm really excited as well to talk about his new line, Tri-Vitamins, because I am a nutrition specialist and gut analysis specialist. And I'm really excited to hear his motivation behind that product. Daniel, are you with us? Let's see if he will show us um, his face, because I want to start by praising him and thanking him for how he has impacted my journey. Daniel, thank you for being here. Wow, wow, thank you, thank you. This has already been such a joyous experience uh, hearing, hearing you say everything that you just did, so I'm happy to be here. Well, on my journey, I was struggling young with hypersensitivity, gut issues, excessive hair pulling, 
and got into a lot of spiritual communities, some would call high controlled groups and gurus who said there is only one way and kind of burnt out on that track of doing Tao Dojo work for four years and really feeling kind of consumed with thinking, I can only be pure and on the top of the mountain. I can't also do naked photo shoots with women who are 200 pounds overweight and want body positivity. And I was researching online. I know there's got to be another way to breathe and be in this self-development work. And I found Daniel's work called Tribe Design. And I saw him helping people seed and figure out how to show up more authentically themselves in the world of creating communities and having a more tribal mindset, which I think we've lost today in the day of um, or Instagram and, you know, the world is all about me. And then through him, I met JP Sears, Amber Sears, who is one of my mentors and um, a new community of people who are very much community mindset oriented and very much open to hearing each other out and not really saying you're wrong because you're finding your path to help this way, health this way or that way. And it really started being on Daniel's tribe design website that these last years for me, um, have been a homecoming to people who I feel accept me for me and don't try and change me on my healing journey. So I want to thank you. And um, I just wanted to start with that personal thank you as we dive into you giving us a little background, a little pain point of um, what got you into doing your work and um, dive into this fun chat. Mm. <clears throat> well, yeah, so I think the, the work that you're alluding to that is definitely embedded in tribe design, and it's funny that you mentioned uh, Amber and JP because they had met originally at our Costa Rica tribe design and then JP proposed to her at the Montana one. And yeah, it's been beautiful to see that relationship, the relationship um, evolve since then. They just had Wilder, their first son. That's, it's all like so surreal. <laughs> um, I think it's probably really grounded in my, how I was brought up um, in the sense that my mom's, family is like conservative Christians from Georgia. Dad's family, like his parents fleed the Holocaust by living under a graveyard and like having a potato garden and then they and they got out and then my dad was born in New Jersey. And I think growing up and seeing all this clashing as a kid about ideas, um that it really showed like the difference between heart sync and group think. And in my opinion, that seems to be the biggest issue for a lot of uh, our ability to team up as one human race is clashing around like ideas, like God, or especially around like God, sex or money, like certain topics. So um, I think and me being the oldest brother, of three younger siblings and being like a surrogate parent in a lot of ways because uh you know my dad's a pharmacist my mom's a nurse i don't know how they did what they did i don't know how we're here <laughs> especially with three teenage boys -wee! and a youngest girl like we were out of control um and we i think we found we found 
that yeah some some of our actions have consequences so choose wisely and um i think a uh, long story short I, I just became more and more drawn to this work i became almost like a negotiator for people like oh okay yeah so this is what you think this person thinks about krishna and this is what this person thinks about jesus and that's cool i mean like becoming almost a, a judge in a courtroom for people to get beyond these group think differences to realize there's something bigger and i do think like the your tribe that's the word tribe it might have something to do with dunbar's number where when someone has to know over a hundred maintain over 150 connections that they have to start relying on myth and culture like oh are you a christian or you're white or you're from this country or you're from that rather than like knowing this person for who they really are like knowing what they are what knowing what they are like in the morning knowing what they are like in the evening knowing what they are like if they have beer knowing what they are like if they have coffee like knowing them really regardless of what they think and i think current day with social media i think uh in all this stuff that's going on we're like a lot of people are relying on this false projected version of reality built on a house of cards of myth and lies and truths for certain people, but not for everybody. And it's dangerous and it's weird, not in the wonderful way. And uh, tribe design is for people to come back to that realization like, oh, yeah, we can think differently about these topics that are so important to us and still team up. And um, so it's yeah jp's been a major part of that and so is amber jp was part of our retreats before there was even tribe design so it's fun to think about him he wrote the forward to breaking normal um and yeah i'm almost like a, like i just feel like it's my dharma uh it's something that comes easy to me it's something that i've always been pointing i've always been pointing out the elephant in the room that's like wait a minute let's just address this um and I continue to do that. And now I'm doing that in the dietary supplement space because I've been in the retreat, the health retreat industry for about a decade. And I, I really uh, felt called to create a dietary supplement last year. And I marinated and meditate on that a lot. And the bison are calling me. The bison are calling me and they want to roam free. And I believe it, it caused me to shift into the dietary supplement space. And like, wait a minute, before there was a dietary supplement space, what was the medicine? Uh, oh, before there was pharmacies, before there was fences, before there was finances, what was the medicine of this land that people were able to thrive as tribes? And really, it's like, my understanding is <clears throat> these these people had the ultimate the ultimate bison grocery store at their fingertips they could live with the herds they could follow herds of elk and or bison especially bison um and be completely fine you have a bison robe someone has a bison robe then they can survive the winter i mean and they're all over apparently it could take days to get through a, herds of bison and uh, my understanding of these bison and of most animals the most powerful form of the food from this animal is the organs uh, specifically the liver and then maybe the heart would be next if we're going to be hi hierarchical but like there's there's so much myth behind the liver like some there's some tribes that won't touch the liver they don't think human hands should touch it uh, there's some tribes that think that the soul of a man resides in the liver and that the more liver someone eats the more powerful their soul will be and there's some tribes that would simply realize like it's the medicine like this is reserved uh for maybe 
warriors or maybe for someone that's for sick. Um, and, a, and my understanding of a wolf pack or a pack of coyotes that I heard taking an animal down the other night here, um, the alpha gets the liver first. And so anyways, we're, I, I've been called and now it has been launched and it is now available to purchase uh, tribe vitamins is the name. And the product is bison liver, desiccated bison liver. That's it. It's just a hundred percent bison liver. All the water is drawn out through a freeze drying method that NASA uses. And I, we don't even know how long that lasts. Some people think some foods last for 30 years. They just, a lot of people haven't found out because it's just lasts too long. But I, on the, we just have on the uh, labels two years right now, but um, they're freeze dried and encapsulated. So, because liver is so powerful that someone that has a normal, normal palate, they might find it very strong. And most people don't know how to prepare liver and, or they'll eat a lot of it once in a blue moon. It's really something that's better to microdose on a daily in the ideal world. So we have that available now from what I believe is the, not only the biggest animal of this land, um, that we live on, but also the most power, like in a way, the most powerful. And it really shows, it's like the epitome of a herd, of a herd and of like powerful heart sink. And I think there's something special, like the, the imagery of a, a, a native warrior taking down a bison and eating the heart right there. That, that's like an imagery that's depicted in movies throughout our time for a reason. There's a reason the bison is on the nickel there's a reason uh, the bison almost went extinct. There's, I mean, the, the story gets crazy. So my aim with this project is for, to bring awareness that there are about 400,000 bison right now in North America, and about 90 plus percent of them are um, finished on grain, aka taken to feedlots, so they're treated like cows. And I'm only working with the suppliers, that handful of pioneers that are still breaking normal and remembering our roots that these are not cows and they don't need to be fed grain and they don't need to be taken to feedlots and they, they can be processed responsibly. And that's the uh, liver that we're getting in them from those suppliers. And really what I want is to sell out, which is pretty likely because we have a very small supply. So the other 90% of bison farmers next year or the following year will be like, wait a minute, maybe we don't need to take them um, to this traumatic 90 day ending of their life. And I could go on and on about the symbolic parallels between the bison and like the wild man. Go there. I love the symbolic because I, I, I want to, I was just thinking the spiritual, I know the white buffalo, buffalo, but haven't heard as many around the, the bison um, yeah. yeah I mean it's all it's so embedded in a myth if you've ever seen even avatar the, the avatar is flying on the white bison that's one of my favorite cartoons to watch with my daughter um, yeah and yeah but I just think I feel like for breaking normal it is the bison and normal is the cow and the cow is a, an animal brought from foreign, land, foreign lands. It's very genetically modified to be what it is, to be an easy to control, domesticated, immunized, uh, fed on subsidized grain inside of a fence, easy to take from birth to death and profit on. It's, and and it's, it's just, it's, sometimes it's actually scarily 
symbolic how that is to our, how that looks to our education system, for instance. Okay. Yes. So like, yeah, the domestication of education is something I also want to bring awareness to. And uh, right now that my education is bringing me to the bison or, the, or bringing me the bison to me. I don't know. I definitely feel a herd of support all of a sudden. Um, uh, yeah, I took some tribe vitamins right before this interview on purpose. <laughs> I love the characteristics of the, the bison, not to be as docile or easily controlled. And I think we can feel that in the collective conscious of the U.S. right now and hopefully the world of people really questioning the narratives. I thought it was crazy, the background that you just mentioned, because my mother's Mayflower line and then my dad is very, very Jewish line. And I studied conflict resolution, nonviolent communication in Israel. I was gonna move there right before I met the love of my life who grew up LDS. I grew up very wow. Jewish though. And so it's been such a healing um, with him. One of my elders was actually the head dancer of the White Buffalo Birth 30 years ago, um, far north Minnesota. But I gotta tell you, maybe two weeks ago, a bison postcard called to me, and I, I don't know a lot about bison. It wasn't in an animal book I had big with the white buffalo and I put it on my altar, the only animal I had on my altar. And now hearing the characteristics of it, it's like, okay, that's why all the craziness we've been going through, the characteristics of the bison is what my heart needs right now to break through some of the bullshit I feel is really pressuring us down. Um, if people watch mainstream media and are feeling confused and afraid, I feel like Daniel's an example of someone who said, you know, if we feel that we're going to be stomped down, the bison is still here and there's still people who are going to see its value and worth in terms of its characteristics of being wild and free and breaking normal. So I love the underpinnings of what is awakening in you and that you are helping us nourish. I'm curious if you want to educate us on some of the health benefits of organ meats. Yeah, and real quickly, just to keep surfing that wave of having a party wave with you on this synchronicity here. Um, bison, in my understanding, is also if there's a storm, a huge storm coming, because bison are very resilient. They're very resilient. And um, hence, they're still here. And um, <clears throat> because they, the, we almost got them wiped out to almost people thought they were extinct at one point when the Europeans came over and viewed the indigenous as enemies rather than really you now they could take the food source away from these enemies. It's a long story short. Um, so it was pretty brilliant from a perspective of war, but uh, yeah, it came at a cost to where the bison almost became extinct, but they're here now and they're re repopulating at bigger numbers. And this is why I want people, I mean, you know, this is a supply and demand game. There's a economic tie to these animals. So I want people to vote with their dollar, like vote, start voting for bison over beef if you can, and definitely start voting for the gr only grass finished bison. Um, not, and, and most, yeah, it's tricky. Most people think that all bison, oh, it's bison, it's all grass fed. No, it's not actually not even, I've never found a Whole Foods that has ever, ever served all the way grass finished bison so an uh, elk's product of your product line too yep and we have a very unique we have a very unique small supply of elk currently it's these people in texas that a family business that lobbied for this law a long time ago where they could sell like wild meat 
And what's happened is there's these ranchers that have huge ranches in West Texas and South Texas. And they wanted to get some breeding elk on these ranches. Um, and now they have become way overpopulated. So they have hired this company that will go out there and cull, like, cull the herd, AKA take out maybe 200 or so of the females um, at night with silencers spotlighting them. So apparently the kill of this animal is like less loud than a, a clap. Um, so it's arguably the most humane way of using technology. And then they have a machine there and an inspector and they drain the, they drain the blood right there and they have, they take process about 200 elk a quarter. So the elk is coming from, uh, these wild elk that are just living their lives on these huge ranches, uh, arguably causing issues enough where the, the, uh, herd is being thinned through this process. Mm. And then actually a lot, I mean, just for a fun fact, I think the male, the big males are like saved for um, hunters with big budgets. <laughs> and the gun just went off. Did you hear that? I no, literally Daniel warned us. It's duck hunting hour. Yeah. I um, really advise people if, especially if they do eat animal protein, um, to see and watch their meat be processed. I personally um, had an accident where I fell 25 feet and have been healing from breaking my back and having a lot of nerve damage and um, really was afraid to be in my body because of the amount of um, numbness I was experiencing. And the only thing that kind of woke my heart was training hard enough to be able to hunt for my own food because I feel we've really lost the connection of, of our food. And I'm reading a beautiful book, Full Moon Feast, which talks about, I can't remember the exact tribe name, I don't want to pronounce it wrong, that used to talk about um, the four, they would say there's four different um, roles, the elders, the males, the females, and the youth, and the youth and the males are about action and vision and the women are about relationship and the um, elders are about place and that in our current food system we've lost the idea of place and relationship to our food um, and we're just all about action and vision and I feel this strongly with educating ourselves on where our food is coming from how it's being taken care of how it's being killed through my um, injury recovery, I've learned people who are hypermobile, which I am, also have hypermobile organs, and it's easier to digest animal protein rather than um, plant protein if you have that issue. And I just feel that this work is so important, and people might feel like when I was scrolling your feed, it said sensitive content, you know, graphic, welcome to life, and welcome to what it is to be nourished. And so I just feel that it's very important to be connected to our food and wanted to add. Yeah, yeah. Our, uh, yeah. The video you're alluding to is actually from a, a guy that was on my podcast named Wes Atkinson. I think the episode is called The Heart, and, the Heart of the Hunter and Huntress. And um, yeah, they basically, he was on a bison hunt and he had the bison heart bottle and um, he just showed after they had the hunt a shot of them 
together. And that, man, that apparently that hunt, it was for a client and their family. And apparently that was like the most impactful experience of his life. Um, and yeah, I, the, the, my true hunt that I've been on as well, one of the most impactful experiences of my life. And I, the bison, I just wanted to bring it back to, you were talking about how you had to break normal and your experience of breaking normal. And uh, the bison are also known, I, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but to when there's a storm, they go towards the eye of the storm, the resilience I was alluding to. And they'll go toward, they're unique in the sense they'll go towards the eye of the storm and then they'll just bunker down. Really? Yeah, man. Um, so I was, I just got a call there. Um, are you still, am I still there? We're here. That's okay. So powerful. And I, I think, you know, um, I, <laughs> I was telling Daniel that my partner bred dogs for 10 years and very connected to animals. And I was not, I was very connected to the insect kingdom. But when I started doing a lot of meditation 10 years ago, animals would just come so quickly. I wanted to see, you know, we, we think we know what we want to see colors or something else, but no animals. So I really started getting into all these animal books and learning about the characteristics of each animal. And what I love is that the animals that we're eating, of course, people talk about we're taking in their energy we're taking in their characteristics and um i interviewed a woman who started a beautiful co-op in la to get farm biodynamic fresh produce to people who are living in la during the pandemic and she was saying eating anything that has antibiotics that's been chemically sprayed is like taking a round of antibiotics and i was in um just a steakhouse the other night and i said is it grass-fed grass-finished and they said, no, we, we green fed it for the marbling at the end. And I don't think people understand that grain is very toxic to the gut and to the, um, even chickens are carnivores. I mean, people don't understand the fact that um, we, especially after World War II, tried to really up our um, industry of getting food out and we kind of act ourselves over um, with the lack of education we've had on how it's going to have long-term term effects on our health of the food we are taking in. And the liver is also great for talking about detox. People don't, I don't think realize they're taking a lot of herbs to detox, but also um, to, to take the liver of um, so an, an organ meat, you know, of another species would be helpful for our liver, I believe as well. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm, I mentioned like the different storylines around the liver, specifically with uh, how with the prized meat that it is. And yeah, just to paint one more picture of that, a lot of tribes would save the organ meats for themselves and feed the flesh meats to their dogs. And it's an interesting paradigm that we're living in now that where like my biggest competition for supply is dog food companies because they'll buy all the organs for years and they don't care if it's grain finished or not because that is a huge marketplace right now. So, but long story short, it's great for dogs to eat organs and it's great for humans to eat organs. If you're going to feed your dog uh, liver, apparently give them 5% every day, 5% of their diet liver every day. And, the, and now you can do this to yourself with the bison liver that I have with triad vitamins. And if you want to get into this, you were asking about the benefits of it. Um, <clears throat> It's first of all, it's loaded. It's loaded with vitamin, uh, retinol, which is the bioavailable form of vitamin A. 
and this, it has, I think, the variety of B, B vitamins loaded with a variety of B vitamins, I think like B3, 6, and 12s, um, loaded with heme iron, um, which is very good uh, for most women, especially if you, uh, I think you mentioned your, you started your moon today or something, like, yeah, start your tri-vitamins now. Um, <laughs> And or if anyone uh, recovering from a vegan diet, for instance, I used to be a raw vegan. Recover like anyone that has an alcohol issue, it's like the liver helps the liver, um, and that's a known like more like an indigenous school of thought. Um, and it has a unique also balance of zinc and copper. So it's basically like this unique superfood powerhouse that each animal has. And so it's not really meant to go around to everyone specifically, potentially, and or eaten at once. So yeah, we have it encapsulated where you can take it a little bit every day. And um, the, uh, the results that we've been hearing, I'll tell you what, my nails grow, have been growing really quickly. I'll say that I had to cut my nails right before this podcast and I was talking to my brother and his uh, wife about that. I'm like, how is nails growing this fast? And, um, but the thing, the, mo the thing I hear the most uh, commonly is like this unique strength and endurance, like a more grounded, resilient endurance. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds like a bison. Yes. Especially. <laughs> oh, I had been, ordering my um, grass-fed, grass-finished cow liver and organ supplements from New Zealand, and now we'll be taking your bison supplements. But I am blown away by what you just told me about the flesh being given to the animals and the organs being eaten by the tribe. I, my partner, when he would breed dogs, they would get grass-fed, grass-finished, um, not grass-fed, they would give like um, chicken livers chicken hearts to their mamas when they were breeding and so it's real big you know giving to our dogs but i am i'm blown away and um and it's been done for millennia the organ meats and so i think it's also interesting to say when people try something and they don't honor the energy of it which herbs if we're going to talk about the hormone balance vitex chase berry extract is big for women we live in estrogen dominant society and tender breasts and endometriosis and ovarian cysts and such a lot of us have struggle building up our progesterone um, and pms happens before our moon time vitex the chase berry i first tried it. i'm like oh it's a herb it's a tincture many years ago before i honored the energy of the herbs and really struggled. I was getting all jittery and my friend was like, well, it's, a, it's got an energy. You better respect it and go slowly. And just similarly to the meats, people like we did, we sat down years ago with a bunch of um, liver just for dinner and it was way too much. And I was totally turned off and I feel the sacredness of connecting to something that, you know, was kind of revered should be taken in a small dose. So I love that point that you're making. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, there was a point when I, I was, I was looking. I had a lot of livers, <laughs> I had deer liver, all kinds of livers, and I was feeding my dog a lot, a lot of liver, and um, that's when I learned she like puked it up, at, like at, at too much. She loves the liver, but I, she had like a whole deer liver anytime she wanted, 
and then like someone informed me like yeah you didn't that they there is a way you could over like someone could overdose on that and that's why i think polar bear livers like toxic like some people like eskimos might have sometimes vitamin a uh overload because they might be eating whale whale liver and it is a, it's it's a sacred I mean, I think there's a reason there's all those myths I was alluding to earlier tied around that organ specifically and why it's so prized by animals and their wild nature. Yes. Um, and I, I love how you were just emphasizing like how it detoxifies. And it, there is something interesting when people use this, like my mom is on fire about these tri-vitamins. And I've heard unique things about that. It seems to be adaptogenic. It almost seems like, in my opinion, like this is like an indigenous adaptogenic right here. For sure. Because like, like she thinks it's helped her with blood pressure. She's like a, she's like a walking testimony right now. <laughs> and, and I think that all of our grandmothers said you know, bone broths and organ meats. And we, we don't take it as seriously. The kings were all given their pizzas in the morning. You know, we need to have our superfoods, adaptogens. And I would say for women as well. When I'm doing a lot of research into herbs, milk thistle is huge, trendy on the market, but it's a phytoestrogen. It actually doesn't help if you're estrogen sensitive to take that because that herb actually stimulates, is a precursor to estrogen production. So I would suggest taking liver instead of that herb if you can't find other herbs. Um, calendula is a different one. But I think that, um, I think that organ meats have not been given the praise that they should be. And I also want to commend Daniel as being a person who's going to chat about it later in the interview. I loved this interview Lady Gaga was doing. Someone said, you know, do you feel bad for that girl who you were 10 years ago when she wrote this song, she made a fool of herself, something like that. She's like, no, I'm an artist. And I love every part of me that's evolving on the journey. There's no destination I have to end at. And when I started to do more in the public eye and realized I was going to talk about some sensitive things, I had to get clear on two things. One was that I experienced my childhood differently than my parents did because I was experiencing it, not them. So my truth is going to be true to me, probably not to them. I was a sensitive kid and I saw things the way I did and that I'm going to change my approach to trauma relief and my approach to nutrition a hundred times in the next 10 years because new things are going to come my way. So I want to honor Daniel in being someone who was known as a raw bra, who brought raw veganism to the forefront. And you know, you guys were doing wild things. I don't know too much about it. I just know you had your shirts off. People were probably clicking a lot and you were doing juicing and all the stuff. And now you're selling organ livers. And I love to hit on a couple things of, how would you recommend someone to authentically own their story and the journey they're on if they're on social media and we're displaying our lives and own that they're going to be many things and also what what the journey's been like for you to transition your diet yeah well i would say um i mentioned dharma earlier i would argue it's like our dharma or duty as a tribe designer as a human being as someone that's looking to team up with people is the best way possible especially for the people that are close to us to accurately report what is happening for us and yes at one point in my life especially coming off the fast food like eat as much as creatine as possible diet the raw vegan diet is man I, and i imagine for so many other people too would be one of the most cleansing joyous experiences one could go on if done properly 
Uh, so much so that my brothers and I got seduced into thinking it was like it. It was like, I guess we got that, that dream. Like, oh my gosh, we got the Holy Grail. Like, just eat the freaking flesh of the ovaries of these fruits that fall off the tree. No harm done. Um, share it with the squirrels. Come on all day long. Coconuts. <laughs> And it really worked for about six or seven months, and we got so much affirmation. And then it didn't, it didn't, it didn't. Um, and like you know, we're looking at that from like a micronutrient level. It might be there was something to do with, especially at our age, of just starving our bodies of cholesterol, a precursor for sex hormones such as testosterone. That I like scored like an eighty-nine at. Like when I was thinking about shifting my diet, I like scored so low. The doctor was immediately ready to prescribe me testosterone. And I was like, no, I'll eat a piece of fish. So I ate a piece of fish and then I was like, remembered. I was like, whoa, I woke up in the morning being, seeing, remembering things that I hadn't seen in a while. And I was like, what the? And I was like a drug. I was like, oh, shit, skis. Um, and I, I think that's just a wisdom that I've learned as being a human being of, for me accurately reporting what's happening for me that some things in the past I believed to be true that um now don't seem true and that's humbling to admit but i also think it's real just like organ meats are real <laughs> like oh, you that organ like they're seeing that oh oh gosh this food the meat that people are eating came from a living being um that's a reality check and it's a reality check that what might be true yesterday might not be true tomorrow and can we can we stay true to ourselves and tell it out loud because people are depending on us to tell the truth so we can learn how to thrive through this human experience together as best as possible. Yes. And as someone who helps people gain back their menstrual cycle with diet and supplements and other things, I've seen that having animal products in the diet, especially if it's good sourcing, really helps the uterine lining. And I didn't know that about testosterone. That's very curious to me. And, um, but also I honor like some of my friends, um, they are different light beings than I am and they function so differently off plant-based than I could. And I honor that. And, um, there's just so, there's such a multitude of factors, but for me and having a mission to have my mind blown every day and one of my mentors and colleagues, Dr. Christie, is like, I'm willing to blow it all up. You know, she creates these beautiful projects anytime that I need to start over is the kind of way of living I yearn for and creating an inclusive, tolerant, um, empathetic nature. And so I, I feel it's a little odd that people um want to corner someone and tell them what the right flavor of wellness should be or how they should take on healing themselves and um that's really what kind of motivated me to start this work even though i've done journalism for the last 10 years but with wellness practitioners in particular because i think the more flavors the merrier and um just want to thank you for being a transparent pioneer in your own self experiment in <laughs> Well, yeah, if it, like it's all so fun to like. That's why I think it's so important for us to explore out loud as accurately as possible, especially with the ones that we can, um, because it's a it can be a very dynamic experience. And 
like the the vegan culture it was so unique we were so praised we fit in so well like we were so iconic all of a sudden we got so much group affirmation and at one point somewhere in our dna or for our ancestors that was the most important thing to do was to fit into a group of people and um it's no longer that that way we got there's like that's reality check it's like wait a minute maybe the most important thing right now is not to fit in with a group of people maybe I'm, I'm just like just let's just offer that out there because um there's a lot of there's a lot of groups of people that are just like teamed up against groups of people it seems like their main cause is to be teamed up against other groups of people and um maybe it's not maybe it's time to create our own vibe <laughs> like to like what kind of tribe do we want there's enough people that can press a search button and find out about us to like really design our tribe by living the way we want the way we want others to live but um yeah it's that, it's that time more than ever and uh yeah this is a cool conversation it just kind of it's like a a, a spiralized golden thread i feel like a, a couple honeybees weaving something honeybees are my favorite <laughs> i would love to actually chat on um in your book and in the way that I've heard you speak and people have gone to your workshops come out speaking this way is how I wrote it probably better in my notes than I'll be able to say it. Um, people interpret sensations uh, as feelings, but people in talking, I'm talking, I'm going to branch this, categorize it around his education on emotional intelligence and emotional management and um, people interpret sensations as an emotion and they expect someone else to know what they're thinking when they say, I'm angry. And some of the work that you've done helping people learn to verbalize their sensations versus expecting um, someone to know what it means when someone says, I'm angry, because growing up for me, that means things are going to be broken. Someone's going to be kicked out of the house. You know, it's very frightening. And my partner is raised by a lawyer, you know, and his mom was in psychology. There wasn't that as much. And um, he kind of came into the relationship being like raised in skillful communication. And I've had to do a lot of courses in it. I'd love to hear uh, how you explain what I'm trying to get at. And of how people have experienced um, thinking people know what they're feeling instead of really tapping into their body and physiology around what they're feeling. And I well, communication. Yeah, I mean, since a lot of the talk that we've been dancing around is around animals or dog, let's say our dogs, I think that there's uh, a few different versions of reality two of the main ones being what someone notices versus what someone imagines so like what the dog is seeing slash experiencing or what the very young baby is experiencing versus like what the adult that's wanting to be a part of society is experience is, is seeing so the noticings are like purely sensational. So I think it's a good time, especially in heated experiences or confusing experiences, it might be very important to check in and be like, well, what am I noticing? Like, what would the dog notice right now? Like sensations only, like nervous system stuff only. And it's like, okay, well, I feel heat on my face. I feel like a dryness in my mouth. Um, I feel my feet on the ground 
I feel like more energy in my head. And it's like, oh, I, I mean, I could say, well, maybe that's because I'm nervous. Maybe that's because I'm focused. Maybe that's because I'm excited. Because I know the, the first one to me is much more accurate. If we're all being jur- like investigative journalists of this experience called life and willing to share our notes out loud, then the first one is what I'm more interested in. And the second one is good to know as well, to know that person. But when someone gets caught in the idea of, for instance, it's like pretty chilly outside right now. It's pretty chilly outside right now. And if someone really got caught up in the loop because their mom, when they said three years old, like whenever they felt a chill outside, they started like, oh, I'm cold. And if I stay out here, they might start feeling scared that they're getting a cold or they're going to get a cold. And I think for that person, it's very important to realize, like, what are you noticing right now? And then let's talk about the imagination, and then we can have fun with where those connections came from rather than just, like, blindly um, blindly trusting our interpretations of what's actually happening. Because there's a lot of programs that may have been hypnotized in there at a very early age that could be quite alarming when more awareness is brought to them, like thinking that being outside in the cold would make someone sick. I love it. Thank you. You probably tapped on my childhood as well. And from meeting Daniel in the past, his extensive research and study into the psychological processes gets me excited because I think when people have been in the self world for a while and they go to a workshop or retreat someone will yell and it'll be a frightening like they'll be like story you're in the story and and people will be like what's happening um and i love that you just took us through what people are saying when they're like you're in your story um of if if no one has ever been um acquainted with this work of they've just lived kind of on autopilot and haven't been interested in expanding their capacity to feel and have kind of been, I was definitely there, can be there often in a reactive nature. Um, so I love that you just broke that down for us because it's yeah. my life and my own. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm hearing something that I just want to add on just to add crystal clarity because you're in Sedona. Like imagine you're, when you're, if you're wanting to check in yourself, imagine you're going to have to explain it to an alien. And usually what it is, it's like, you know, a lump in here, like a hot lump here, or like a gripping of the fist or a quivering throat or tears wanting to come from behind the eyes or like a different heartbeat. And then most people at that point, they'll have a story so attached to it so quickly, like they're scared or they're nervous or they're sad or they're mad, or, and, and they'll try to avoid it. But really, there's a very powerful energy there that probably wants to be processed that will probably create a miracle done with enough awareness. So, <laughs> I, um, yeah, I just want to add that to it. Like, think about it. How, like, what's going on? What, if you had to tell an alien what's going on, first check in there and then assess from that. Yes. And I'll get super honest with my wig wearing and <laughs> journey personally in terms of being born with this excessive pulling at my hair and loving to chat with people having my eating disorder days behind me and still having lots to offer in terms of stress management and the gut 
going to the supermarket and eating half a cake and then throwing it in the garbage and going back to my house or having my house cleared of food, it gives me a bigger time gap, you know, Victor Frankl, stimulus and response to choose how I'm going to respond to energy. But lifting my hand and pulling my hair, waking up, pulling my hair in the middle of the night, I feel like I've been given this task of like Jedi training in terms of awareness training to really tap into the sensory, the sensory system and being on SSRIs from a young age and asking the doctor, well, I kind of just feel numb. And they say, well, that's good. That means it's working. At you know, 15, I was like, this is an authority, white coat, I'm supposed to listen to them. And, and really, and also SSRIs, I didn't have the orgasm until I was 25. I mean, they really suppress our, our sensory system and our ability to feel. I, my heart goes out to this work that you do and you help people deconstruct and you help people go from conversations I heard growing up. You're just a bitch. You're a stupid cunt. You make me feel like this. I hate you. It's because of you. There's no space to go into what you've just described, which takes hours and days and a lot of not, I won't say well, it takes hours and days. It can be done right now, but I'd say a lot of effort in sensitizing the system and being willing and being willing to feel. And so I get so excited and I get so honored to be in the presence of someone who's willing to tap into the sensory system we've been given and help other people navigate it and still be a valuable human. Yeah, like right now I'm I'm imagining a couple that lives like in an eight bedroom house and um they they have all their rooms like filled with stuff they're supposed to do, like clutter or this is not finished for that reason, this is not finished for that reason, like we're gonna get to that, we'll get to that, we'll get to this. But they have their like their them to their living room to their bedroom and they have this nice thing that works normally. And what would bring much more joy into their life is to have that house filled with the people that they love. Um, however, to make that happen, it might take cleaning out. <laughs> like, it might take, like, okay, there's something there. There's something there. <laughs> Let me process that one. <laughs> Let me clean that room out. And then if they clean that room out, all of a sudden, maybe their brother and their family shows up for a week. And it's, like, one of the best weeks of their life. And then, you know, it's, if you, that's the imagery that was coming out. <laughs> I don't know exactly why. I mean, I could guess why, but that's that. I thought that was like a cool picture that my little wild child was imagining as you were painting that picture. And it's so real because guess what? Especially if you've had a back, which a lot of us have. Who wants to fucking bend over? Not me. I don't want to go clean out a room of books and then remember that guy who broke my heart and that girl who was mean to me. I don't want to feel those things. Don't make me do that, Daniel. Who are you? You know, and then eight rooms? No. And, and I just think that life, though, when we get in there and cry and shake it up and feel, and I think that what I did and taught for four years, a lot of sensitizing, screaming, feeling, uh, sensory exercise workshops, um, when I was in a dojo, really kind of, it created space for me to start to experiencing world differently, the world differently because I, I wasn't damning the sensations that would come through me. I still do sometimes. But this is a question I love to ask every show. And it is, especially because you're a man on the show and I don't interview a lot of men. Um, 
how do you see your superpower, your sensitivity as a superpower? And how would you also advise males? Because I think males are fed a little differently than women, um, what it is to be sensitive. That was interesting how that plane was going by. Did you hear that? <laughs> as you're asking that question it actually like reminded me of i think what i would call a sensitivity and that is being like hyper aware hyper aware of multiple things at once which could be diagnosed as adhd or add which i probably is why i got prescribed to adderall in college <laughs> but that, that's all that's a that, that's the one have one crazy drug right there that uh i didn't have a problem with and i i love to like explore with people because I've seen a lot of people have a lot of problems with that one. I did. Side, side note on the ADHD thing. But one of my sensitivities is that like, if someone is gossiping with an earshot of me, it's like my system will be aware of it. And whether the gossip's about me or not, I am aware of people's like motives in a way and um that can be overwhelming that can be scary um and it also can be like my my the my superpower for connecting with someone um because when i can find someone else that might be willing to share the those subtleties of awareness and sensitivities and um things that they're scared to talk about um, rather than like if they're willing to not lock them away, but like to address them there, I feel like it's like my superpower for connection. Um, connecting with sometimes one person, connecting with a group of people. And uh, yeah, that's, an, that's just kind of an interesting question because it, my response <laughs> conjures this crazy response that like how my ADHD slash uh, hard not to be aware of people's emotions around me um especially based on how they communicate like i can hear when i hear communication things become i feel like a lot of times i'm more clear of what people are not saying than what they are and um that could be easily to victimize myself because of how overwhelming that could be if i'm not willing to be myself around it but it really holds me to a high level of accountability and make sure I'm still being myself and expressing my truth, regardless of all the hidden motives that I might be aware of. And your gift of teaching other people how to manage and engage with that. And I'd say, I mean, as a male, in talking about ADD in particular, there's two things that come up. First, my partner is very male. He does Wim Hof and likes to go in the freezing water when it's snowing and he likes to go on five hour walks. And I don't personally like that. And I know, you know, right there with that generalization, when we're on a walk, he can hear things that I don't hear. He, his senses are so sharp, like a hunter. He can see animals I never get to see. I am not <laughs> as hunter-like or in tune. Um, I do have ADD and other people would say sometimes ADD would come from loud, overwhelming homes because they, some people might be afraid that something physically, you know, harmful could be happening. There's a lot of things people say about ADD um, or how they like to categorize it. But I would say that 
I oftentimes feel my sensitivity wasn't cultivated. My mentor likes to say like some children are raised by chimpanzees, not humans. So their potential is never cultivated because of their hypersensitivity. And that, um, you know, my elder in Australia, if you were raised out in the bush, like carried in the little kangaroo sack when he was young <laughs> by his grandparents and taught the things he was, it might've been a, um, a gift. And I think it's a brilliant gift because you help people with it and know and learn how to engage with it every day. But it, it was making me think about your hunter senses too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, hunting is definitely, I think, a, a, one of the fastest ways to get in touch with one's sensations. There's nothing like having to be silent enough for that duration of a period of time. So an animal that one is trying to Oh, an animal that has a heartbeat is trying to take the heartbeat away of another animal so that their heartbeat can beat on um, in the best way. Yeah, yeah. one they usually get in touch with their sensations for sure. What they used to call nervousness, they might realize is just like uh, a full bladder or a full um, colon and they just need a fart. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah, I mean that like that like if I've ever did a TED talk, I would, it'd probably be fart from your heart. And to me, that's the perfect easy metaphor to understand that unless someone's willing to fart like a little two-year-old, they're probably not in touch with their sensations that clearly, clearly enough. And I've fallen victim to that. There's been definitely yoga classes where I held my fart in, and I'm like, mm. I had like my moral dilemma with holding my fart in at a yoga class. <laughs> Well, it's so funny because I know this is a good relationship because I got into all the diet stuff because of how gassy I am. And I'm oh, that's a, yeah, exactly. That's why a lot of people don't understand diets because they won't fart or they have, they don't want to talk about it or they don't want to admit it or they try to hide. And I'll tell you, one of the worst things for someone that has stomach issues is holding in farts, I would say, just side note, but go ahead. I, I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, like the amount that I was just letting loose, I was like, oh. I can be really myself. I, I, it's, it was a good thing. And I started singing again like I did when I was little, when I got into this relationship and I knew that, that something was flowing freer. I would love to end and chat a bit about, we've chatted a bit, I don't think it's kind of gone there yet, but there's something called reparenting the inner child. People, um, learn how to communicate with themselves differently than they were communicated to. And they learn how to heal parts of themselves that are traumatized. Some people even call it like soul retrieval. I think you are an awesome dad and I love seeing Davina in your videos. And we're doing this today because he gets to have some daddy daughter time soon. And with all that we're talking about of how to express ourselves, I would say to start to have a better relationship with ourselves so that I know where I'm at. And then, with um, our partners, our family, business, all the other things. How has it been raising a little one? And what are things that you're excited to be giving her that you don't feel like you received in being able to be authentically herself as she grows up? Um, I know I'd love to consult with you later on if I have a little bean and pelvis <laughs> and um, hear about your trial and error of being a parent and um, what that's been like. 
Well, in the spirit of um, reporting results that an alien can understand, <laughs> one thing that's definitely different, like she like likes to eat with her hand, like gets messy with her food. And I, I realized like when I lived with my parents and her for a trip, how they were trying to correct that. And I'm like, no, 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 no correction needed on that one. <laughs> like you should let her eat. Like, I like the way she eats. And that's like a very simple one that might seem, it might seem um, simple, but that was actually one of the things when I was a raw vegan that I was starting to really consider the power of like this living fruit, this living seed surrounded by this fruit flesh. They're like, why would I use this inanimate object when I'm a living dynamic being that this is like the mana and I'm suspicious of silverware. <laughs> I'm not I'm not against it. I'm not against it. But I am suspicious by the norm of it. And I, I don't, I think if I lived in India, I might not even be talking about this, but um, that's a really simple example right there. So I think uh, it excites me to hold space for my daughter to, feel to for her to act in ways that are the most true to her and rather than like trying to constrict that flow because cultural norms um maybe make sure she's aware of those <laughs> yeah i mean i love that you just talked about the hands we dream about having children eating with our mouths and having fun but then when i started thinking about a micro bacterial level mm -hmm. We're all into this sterilized, and I was there for five days. Honey, get the wipes, wipe everything down in the very beginning. And I'm like, what am I doing? I'm going against all my training. All of the bacteria that lives on our hands is not all bad. And eating disorder one-on-one, you sit down and take six deep breaths or you start to connect with your food. Um, the arguments can go on for days about eating with hands. So I'm really happy you started there. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's that's the... That would be like, you know, for a, a parent of a three-year-old or a three-and-a-half-year or four-year-old, since I'm only going to – I mean, I was also an older sibling for three that I saw, three, 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 and three, three younger ones. So I've seen a lot of patterns, and I was uh, they are very meaningful to me, and some of the most meaningful patterns to think about. Um, and I would say, yeah, like for parents to – really if they feel the temptation to get their kid to fit in that might be the parent's growth opportunity from the child <laughs> like that might be the child holding like teaching the parent so i yeah, i look at my daughter as like all you mentioned gurus earlier hey she's the we're all gurus but she is my guru for sure yeah and emotions you know how how are you teaching her? How would you suggest other parents who are struggling to handle their children's emotions, um, you know, due to the work you've done with emotions? Same thing. That's a perfect question. I'm, I'll use an example. I, I like the idea of answering questions and personal stories because I believe like what's most personal is most universal. And imagine there it is, a child that in a mall that knocks something down. And then the employee, oh, you know, scares the child. And then the dad, she wants the child wants to scream and cry. The child wants to cry. I imagine the norm might be for a lot of parents to try to calm their child down. And not, I don't think that's the job there. I think the job is to let the child, as long as that child is not hurting anyone or hurting anything else, to let the nervous system run its course and let what want to come up come out and be expressed as awkward as it might 
make the parent feel. And that's, that's, that's the, that carries over to all over the situations, like emotions that uh, especially arise simultaneously from something as seeming as an accident. Those are very important to, uh, I mean, like you see a dog that runs into a, like my dog's freaking crazy and tough. And if she runs into something with her head like a tree, <laughs> you know, she's going to shake that off. She's going to shake it off. She's not just going to be, oh, I can't make any noise. Um, otherwise, as you've probably seen with a lot of your work, a lot of times the issues and the tissues, if a stored, traumatic story gets stored for so long, it's gonna, it can get embedded. And um, so I think it's very important for these, uh, all these geniuses in their young, <laughs> younger years to be able to fully express themselves because I don't think the world is looking at a place for more drones. They're looking for more like creative, expressed, like fully expressed, fully accepted beings. Yes. And the amount of self-soothing eating, um, body focused, repetitive behaviors, which I'd fit in a category of, because, you know, pulling my hair where the people excessively pull, pick their skin, it's like, we're willing to feel a stronger feeling than the subtle vibration, or I'm willing to eat something sweet and sedate myself rather than cry. And it's so small, but it starts then. And I have a great friend whose husband will cry with the son, you know, cause he didn't get to cry a lot <laughs> and they're raising a little one. And I just think it might not might probably is a bit uncomfortable, but that it's a great blessing. If we haven't been giving ourselves permission to feel that discomfort and uh, <laughs> being someone who trailblazes and being different, you know, and people have their opinions, the name of, this project I started, Syndice means connection in Greek. How do you stay grounded and connected with every, you know, when your daughter's crying and everyone else thinks you should shush her? How, how do you keep your own? Yeah, I mean, I think it would go back to like what you're doing, you know, how you're touching your heart center there. Or it's like, oh yeah, all right, what's going on with me? Once again, like noticing what's going on with me. And like, once again, Davina makes it really easy for me to not care what other people think. I'm not going to sacrifice the, the well-being of my, my daughter because I'm scared of what someone else might think. Unless, you know, there are unique circumstances for all things, so I'm not trying to make it a black and white rule, but I think that's a general path that I feel very aligned with. She makes it easy. What also probably makes it uh, more graceful is like the breath work. I do breath work pretty much every morning, a lot of times in the sunshine. Like, you know, purposely charging myself with the sun and fresh, fresh air, like in a very intentional, um, intense way. And making that like something that's like, oh, it's kind of like a non-negotiable. You know, when I wake up and around this time, I'm going to do my breathing. I'm going to do, do my breathing. I'm going to do my breathing. And uh, that's very important because I think that makes me staying in touch with my nervous system that much easier and graceful throughout the, throughout the rest of the day until the next breath set morning. And really, it's not these parents, and I'll say for myself as an adult, even though I don't always feel like one, my own self-responsibility and, and remembering it's my job to regulate my own nervous system. And that that's 
what we're here to do that if we want to we get to be self-responsible in that and you really had me thinking about how in all the stress management literature if you go into JSTOR if you go into these you know scientific article if you go and start reading I always skip over the first thing that says breathing <laughs> and they pay, these people pay two four thousand dollars for two or three nights these workshops or these retreats because they've hit rock bottom lost money or something traumatic has happened and the first thing that people say is we're going to do some breath work and I would be like I don't want to do breath work I don't want to do breath work I want you know you to blow my brain out with something uh, logical instead of physiological and so I'm really happy that you said breath work because I was someone who was like breath work and so as simple as pooping every day sweating every day drinking water every day someone who has pioneered and started as many projects as you have. Um, I love that you said breath work is an anchoring thing because I think I definitely wanted it to be. Mm, things to kind of soften my world, be more complicated than simple. So I'm really happy that you brought up breath work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Yahweh, Yahweh. <laughs> Yeah, there's everything, everything. I mean, I think uh, that's why I'm like the Om Daddy videos mean so much to me. It's because somehow I, this media has been created through my, depicting my connection to my daughter in one breath. It's like so inspiring beyond words. That I think some of the most sacred words are pointing to whatever is creating our breath. And uh, yeah, I, I hear you. I echo, 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 echo. So Daniel had a viral video, you probably have many, of little Davina in your arms. And when she would mm. cry, you would say, oh. <laughs> and then she would fall, right? Yeah, yeah. Vibration, frequency, and presence. And people just loved it. I think I saw, I think I saw it many, many years before I knew who you were. Um, Breath work, I'm, I'm just happy that we're, please research breath work. Where would you have people start if they haven't gotten it? I have a thing on my website. I actually, t I took the time to fully record my breathing ritual and that's at breakingnormal.com. If you click on the university section and then you click on the, the, the breathing one, whatever the breathing tab is, and that should be free 99. So it's about, a, it'll take you through what I, pretty much do every day thank you yes because i think everyone should get into breath work i think wim hop's really popular because people are so desensitized that it's very cool to get an icy water and then shock our systems to to be able to come present but i think there's so many different ways to approach breath work breaking normal is a book i'd highly recommend mm. um i'd ask you who would breaking normal be for what would someone that what things would someone be struggling with if they, I reached for breaking normal when I broke my bath and was my back and was in the tub and needed someone to say like, you can do hard things. Well, I mean, I think if someone's hearing about it and they haven't read it and you feel like, oh, that feels fun, do it. <laughs> Just get it on Audible, download it. I, and I, JP and I read it, so it's a fun, to me it's an awesome audio book. But if you want to prefer to read it, 
on Kindle and Amazon or the book. Those are available. You can buy it on Amazon today. <laughs> so for you people and um, for anyone that's like aiming to break the addiction to approval and really uh, maybe trying a new addiction called authenticity and feel that rewilding of the inner child. I think you said reparenting. Yeah, like realizing like, yeah, we are all a bunch of kids right now on the playground of life. And hey, I'm not trying to deny it doesn't seem tragic in so many scenarios for so many people, but is that part of the play? Because what's more pure than play? So I give like a whole <laughs> itinerary of exercises to like break that, like the sh those shackles, the break free of the shackles of trying to fit in when, especially when it's not necessary. And uh, it's, it is a re it's like a summary of me hosting retreats for a decade, doing that with a variety of people with a bunch of crazy stories. And you mentioned like it wouldn't be a Daniel a Rob Rob video without someone being shirtless. And I was like, yeah, there's a whole chapter there uh, about a naked exercise that someone can facilitate or be a part of that I think would definitely liberate more people to be more of who they are. Um, and it's taboo. A beautiful bluebird just flew right by me. It was amazing. The shadow of it. I wanted to know what it was, actually. Oh, you saw that? Nice. That was so cool. Daniel's gifts. <laughs> the little thing, the little, and I'm like, I want to know what that was. Um, thank you. That was for a beautiful bluebird. <laughs> yeah, the naked exercise, that part of the book I, I loved and I read, and I, I feel that the way Daniel challenges people and invites people to get into their childlike, non-perverted, more so exploratory mind, you know, naked or not naked, it will take them into a, a meeting at work that they might be dozing through to be able to um, start to view things differently. And, and I love that you use the word naked because it, you know, catches the mind, it will help people maybe start to engage in a different way. And I love that even talking about the book, you bring that up because I really like Daniel's book in the beginning. He said, you know, there's things in here that I probably should leave out. So it could be a bestseller or people would say you shouldn't be that authentic. But to me, that's what I crave more. That's what I yearn for more is um, someone's willingness to be honest. And I think that also gives us permission to do it ourselves. Even if we're just starting with, in our thank you so much for your time and your shirtlessness your rawness <laughs> your liverness all of you um i don't know if there's anything you want to leave us with this has been a lot of fun and well, oh yeah I, I was what i was imagining is this like um the mask tricks of the matrix oh yes go here um and the naked exercise you were alluding to and the shirtlessness. And I'm thinking like, you know, it used to, for a lot of places, it used to be that you had to have shirt and sh pants and shoes, shirt, pants and shoes. And not, I don't know many people that question that too much. I know some people that would question it. And now all, I mean, just like amazed that, and, and I'm amazed that then like, you know, for as long as I've been alive, that's been understood. And that's something to question. But it's also been understood that if I try to walk into a bank or a liquor store with a mask, I could be in big trouble. 
and now all of a sudden the new norm is not only shirt shoes and pants required but mask required as well and i'm amazed of how fast that has become a norm but isn't it because the number one trick is being pulled which is mortality oh yeah i mean oh yeah if anyone wants to um understand i think you just said i would say read virus of the mind and then um think about how this is all played out use that book as an atlas to understand 2020 and breaking normal but virus of the mind really studies like really breaks down memetics and how viruses of the mind spread very much like viruses i love what you pioneer that you're bringing this in i love that and i um you just had a thought I, I think the angels hopefully will give it back come come in but um i want to it will come it won't i want to ask i grew up in virginia beach so lots of surfing communities so shirtless doesn't really um kind of phase me but is there something comfortable for your physiology to be more shirtless do you run hot? oh yeah oh yeah i'm a huge believer like especially these days like you know all, all these different people have different ideas about what's the best thing to do for this new virus i think getting sun in the back of my throat is one of them um and especially and being conscious of like where's the sun in the sky and when does it feel best on my body and and when it hits that window just like this interview happened like literally the sun's setting now you can probably see it coming down there was like the hour of perfect sun and i am very happy that i can sit here and get that in my in my mouth and my eyes and my hair and my head and in my chest yeah and as long as it feels comfortable and like if i was shirtless right now i would have been pretty cold it'd been too cold um but this was perfect this is like the perfect amount of sun and i'm, I'm very conscious of that this is where the sun might shine the best at this time of the day and it so happens to be close enough to the Wi-Fi where I can sit here with a shirt like this. And yeah, this outfit usually works the best for me. I like having open air and sun into my clothes, but also being like, if I go into a store that I can follow the freaking rules of this matrix and within matrixes and, and zip this up. And if I need to put a mask on, I will if I want to go in there and abide by their, um, their constraints, I'm just saying like, Hey, we gotta be aware of how fast this became a norm. What's next? Yes. Yes. And, Oh, I remember now. So I was doing an interview of a woman who does Akashic records and we were talking about, we were in Shasta, my partner and I, and we met a guy we call Willie Nelson, but he's not. Maybe he is. We don't know. And he's in the woods, and I, he's, <laughs> my partner went for coffee in the morning and went on a hike. He's like, I found you a real Lumerian. And he's sitting in there, and he's like, all money's going to be gone. You know, there's going to be new currency, and my partner's in finance. He's studying currency. I don't. Um, and so I asked the girl, like, what's the currency? What's the new currency on the Akashic records? And she's like, vitality. And I loved that answer with what's happening. And with, um, a lot of people going, 
you know, all these different extremes, hot, cold. We met some at the farmer's market. He's like, I like to take from a little bit of both and just be warm. And um, people like, you know, Jewish descent are like, they're coming for us. They're coming for us. And I'm kind of just sitting here like, why are we thinking about the old book in terms of religion? You know, more so, I think uh, health is going to be, if anyone's wrangled up, it's going to be around the definitions and the narratives of what's healthy. And, um, and it's a really interesting time where we're walking into. I, I think we're born for it. And I think that... Um, I think that I like what you're saying of how quickly um, we did not question masks. Like we'd question, you know, I watched the surfer guys fight for their shirtless, shoeless tacos all day. Um, and and, and it's just, it's very curious. And I think that, I think that what feels most resonant to my heart I watch J. I I don't watch the whole thing. I I, I don't know why. I, I don't I don't finish things well. I watched the beginning of JP's video with Robert Kennedy, and he said, and what I want to commend Daniel for being on the forefront of questioning in the public eye, even though it reminds me of the communist era, Paul Robeson and other singers who would be sent down to Guantanamo Bay for questioning things, and it disturbs me. Um, I, JP said, I know the feeling of fear in my body. And I think someone like you, who's challenged and grown your capacity to feel, seeing your sensitivity as a superpower in some aspects, and is willing to feel all the sensations in your body, more able to question deeper and stand in those questions. And I think a lot of people aren't used to being able to stand in all the sensations fear could be a name for one of them to go deeper and question bruce lipton and the pioneer of epigenetics say changed and saved my life in so many areas is being taken down for the way that science has always been run which is questioning um and it's just it's really it's quite disturbing my heart right now to be honest <laughs> um and um clenching my heart if I'm going to be better with my verbiage, but I feel stronger when I get to look in the eyes of individuals like you and my partner and other people who are willing to love everyone for all of their opinions and still question. Yeah, you'll, you'll have to get some of that bison heart before we only have like 40 more bottles left. So <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if that was going to continue, but what did you say? Let's I'm like do it. Let's ping it in there right there. It's true. I need that bison hurt right now. I'm gonna get on and buy some right after. And I hear you. Yeah, it is. Um, it is time. It is time that I think a lot of people are reevaluating what's most important. And um, I think to be as healthy as possible will make that contemplation as fruitful as possible. Yes, clear-headed easier to think not be mm -hmm. well i wish i could give you a big hug and feel the warmth with you um thank you so mainly are you focusing on tribe vitamins right now do you do any private consulting if people i'm open to it definitely i'm open to it but yeah mainly tribe vitamins yeah awesome 
all the things working so they can break normal. Yeah, I'm definitely, that's why I'm, I'm open to like synchronicity and things that make sense because I've learned that sometimes the best plans are unplanned. And, you know, I am quite reachable, especially through a video message through Instagram, or you can email me at Daniel at breaking normal.com. And yeah, I would start microdosing on some tribe vitamins today. And that's tribe vitamins.com. And um, thank you everyone for listening. This is Syndacy Wellness and um, have a great, great day. Well, if you'd like a place where there's never a dull moment, choose the right flavor of wellness for you. Syndacy Wellness hosts the personal, local, global wellness show.